everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Coach Fury podcast. That's my show, folks. It's happening right now. Uh, Let's talk about how you can find out more info on me. Look, if you're interested in personal training, online training, taking those new classes that are starting in just a couple of weeks at Fury Industries, aka Fury's Place, or wanting to take a course with me or maybe host a course, just all that stuff is over at coachfury.com, including all the podcast episodes if you're not heading over to SoundCloud and iTunes. Go to coachfury.com for all things Fury. Hey, if you want to rep a Die Mighty t-shirt, the new shirts are finally arriving for people, and they look killer. Live long, be strong, die mighty. They're available at teespring.com slash livelongdiemighty. Teespring is T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com slash livelongdiemighty. And finally, on all of the shilling of the Fury world, if you like this show, particularly if you like this show a lot, head on over to patreon.com and you become a patron to this show. And what that means is you can make a small donation, as, as much as like a buck per episode um, or a monthly donation, just to help financially support this show if you're digging it. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. We've got a handful of people and uh, they know who they are and I love them dearly for for supporting the show. It's kind of very cool. I still love you anyway, even if you don't, but you know, throwing that out there, patreon.com slash coach Fury podcast, P A T R E O N.com slash coach Fury podcast. Now that's enough about me. Hey, so I don't know how it happened. It was really just scheduling. It wasn't meant to happen this way. It's just when people are available, but we've had a string of all dudes on the podcast. And that was one thing I never wanted to have happen on this show. I wanted to have a pretty equal representation here. So we're launching into, I don't know if you want to call it Fem February, stupid nickname, but basically we're going to have at least four weeks of awesome women in fitness in one way or another. And what I really love about my next guest She's a straight shooter. She's got a sick sense of humor. She just, she tells you like it is, how she's feeling. Similar to Gavin in a way, it's great. That's Amanda Thebe from Fit and Chips, recently moved into Houston. Uh, She's a fellow DVRT master instructor, and she's just like, uh, it's always great when you can really connect somebody, not just on a fitness level, but also on like having a particularly sick sense of humor and being very honest. Love it. So uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. This episode actually, I think works really well uh, if you're training women or want to wrap your head around what that really means. Cause I think you're going to find out that like, really there's not like a ton of differences between the genders on one way. So if you listen to Amanda Wheeler's episode and then pair that, and then listen to this one. Cause what Amanda does bring to the table is as women get older, you know, the mid 30 and upset uh, when, I don't mean upset, set of people, when menopause starts to kick in. And that does have an effect. And as somebody who has a hormonal thing going through now with my thyroid and Graves disease, uh, I can tell you, your hormones really have an impact on how you're going to train on a given day and how you might adhere to a program. So there's a couple of things that I love about this episode. I love Amanda. I love what she's doing. But I also love this Uh, how it pairs so well with what Amanda Wheeler and I spoke about. Uh, But give it a listen. Enough of me talking. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, Amanda Thebe and episode 21 of the Coach Fury Podcast. I brought on a a good friend, somebody I'm very proud of her progress, somebody that I respect a lot. Um, She's my favorite Brit by way of Canada, now Texan. And this is fellow DVRT master instructor, Amanda Thebe. Amanda, can you say hi to the listeners and fill in any blanks on the intro? Hi, listeners. And thank you for having me on the show, Steve. I'm very excited to be here. Fill in any blanks. Yeah, I'm British and I'm usually inappropriate. That's why you like me so much. Truth. I I lived in Toronto for 15 years where I established my fitness business and then had to move to Houston with my husband's work um, three months ago. Since I moved to Houston, I've been hit with flooding, a mass murder or two actually. I've met a murderer. Um, Oh my God, some other serious shits happened. Like, welcome to America. I'm telling you. Anyway, so Steve and I um, have known each other now for three years, I believe. And Steve, yeah. 
Steve took me under his wing when I became a DVRT master trainer and he made sure I was okay. Um, and he checks up on me all the time and makes sure I'm doing well. So if I'm progressing, it's probably got something to do with your love and care and attention <laughs> you've given me. That is way too nice. I think, uh, right, I, think I, take it, I take it right back. By then. taking you under my wing, I think we just found a group of good drinking buddies with bad senses of humor. Like, <laughs> if yeah, anything. We got, well, we, yeah, we got drunk together. Okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just basically <laughs> so for, for anybody that's never, I mean, mo- most of my listeners, I'm going to imagine, have gone to some sort of a workshop or, or any event, even outside of fitness. It's like you go to the event, you meet a bunch of people for the first time, and then inadvertently, like on a real world, you, you meet your little sort of click within the click of like, who you tend to jive along with or find that your sense of humor doesn't offend or it's impossible to offend with a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> You've and, tried a number of times and it re- it, I think that was our connection, right? We have both tried and we are both pretty infallible. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the thing that's cool about uh, Amanda that we'll, t- we'll, we'll kick this off and sort of like the first sort of topic zone is, so one of the things that uh, I'm very proud of is that I've gotten to uh, it, the leadership roles that I have I've gotten through assisting at courses and I assisted Josh Hankin at a DVRT level one and level two certification at our friend Kelvin's place body space fitness uh, awesome facility and this was three years ago and Amanda and our friend Michelle now also a fellow DVRT master instructor both went through the course crushed it and became leadership and it was the first time actually I've had friends that I came up through sort of the assistant ranks get leadership roles, but it was the first time that I actually like taught, helped had a role in helping and see somebody from course to leadership. And I thought so that was rad. It was from our birth, wasn't it? Basically. To world, mean, to world domination. To world domination. <laughs> Cheers. Finger on that scary red button that, uh, you know, missiles. Look what, look what you've done. You've let me yeah. live. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's been a really cool journey. So, you know, when we, in DVRT, every year or so, we have a, a master trainer summit. And at the course, you know, there's sort of, you can be yourself at a course, but you also have to like mind your P's and Q's, watch your language. Um, because, you know, not everybody's there for, it's not your show, it's Josh's show. And you want to be respectful and something that somebody might think is hilarious might totally offend somebody but then when you go outside later you start to find out like who you can open up with a little bit so we got to know each other a little bit right like we you know you connect with people during a course you try to work the room but you connect with certain people so we definitely had that but at the master trainer summit we just like that's when you can just totally be yourself and let it all out and we had a plenty of time to like hang out and eat not just drink um And that was really cool. So like James Newman, who's been on the podcast, like we became this little clique. Um, We all started getting nicknames. Of course, I already had one, um, but I got a second one, um, which we won't say here. And uh, (laughs) Also, you do do have some boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, I do have some little boundaries because I don't want to have to explain it. Um, Mm. And it's just, it's cool to see that happen. And now it's not like... uh, uh, one's a master and one's something other. We're both both on the leadership team, and that's really cool. So my exp- my um, memory of that was that Michelle and I did the DVRT level one and two in, in New York. I remember you distinctly because you were one of the three bald-headed, four bald-headed men there. You were all bald, weren't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you just actually, you were in the process of grieving, if you remember. Yes. So it was a hard time. You just lost one of your best friends and um, you were very open about it. And um, and then we, we spoke about that more when we did the Master Summit. And what happened is Michelle and I went there very excited to be in the leadership team, but also nervous and not our usual selves. Josh was really good at making us feel comfortable and never really put us on the spot and never really asked too much of us there. It was really just more about becoming part of the family. But you had our backs the whole time. You literally never left Michelle and I alone because you knew that we were a little bit intimidated. And um, 
the other person, of course, was James Newman, who we nicknamed Daddy <laughs> in, in, in the nicest possible way because he literally got herded us like little kittens from one place to the next. And he just was, his only job that weekend was to make sure that we were okay. And it was just adorable. So the four of us became like the crew. In my mind, when I think of my immediate DVRT family, it's us four still. Um, and anyway, that was just a great time for us all to connect. And I think we really did because it was just an a nice, you find the connection with the personalities that just gel most easily. But I have to say the whole of the DVRT family is a pretty cool bunch. There's not really anybody there that I wouldn't consider a close friend, you know, but there's some yeah. closer than others. Um, so that's my, that's my memory of it. Yeah, I actually had forgotten their, the proximity to that event to land. So um, Amanda's mentioning... Um, that was funny job. That would have been Lance. Yeah. Lance Turnbow, who Barry Danielian, if uh, Danielian, if you listen to that episode of the podcast, he's the friend that we went through the HKC with together. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's hard. And the thing with DVRT was Lance would sub my classes and I helped push Lance to take DVRT. And when Lance went through it in long Island, Josh, I was pretty new. I think I, I, I may have been, Josh would have to confirm this, the first person to do a dedicated ultimate sandbag class. And Josh had me come down and actually speak. And it was the first time that I had that role. Like, I think I might have assisted. I don't think I've even assisted him once. He was just like, can you come down and talk to the people how you program a class? And Lance was going through that. And we got lunch after. And, uh, you know, Lance would start, uh, cover my sandbag classes and also would do a kettlebell and ultimate sandbag class. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's weird times. I, I, I found, I, I created this original strength DVRT class called dynamic strength. And literally, I think the day I landed to fill up the ultimate sandbags, I found out that my friend Patrick died and, um, you know, taught through that. So, uh, deaths in the family and male pattern baldness. Welcome to DVRT. Ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and moving on because we could get maudlin. But yeah, that's that was our first connection, and yeah. um, and I just love the way that the bond is, and we can see we've got each other's backs, and I I just adore that that side of it. There's yeah, there's uh, Amanda and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. Um, there's a, a lot of fronts put up in fitness, uh, as there is in any business, but it seems particularly strong now in the age of social media with, with fitness professionals trying to, um, you know, as we all need to do, we need to create a brand, we need to create an image, we need to try to sell something. And Amanda is just Amanda. And like I've, you know, hopefully, if, if anybody that's listened to this podcast a few times were to come and hang out with me you would not see a big difference other than I might curse more if I've been drinking and maybe get like a little, like my, my humor gets a bit dirtier. I'm you trying might to be go respectful. Get another, another tattoo. I, well, that actually, we tried to do that at the last strength faction course, Kristen Callahan and I, I was like, Hey, Kristen, we're going to go to the tattoo shop three doors down. And you know, quite frankly, that, that tattoo shop, th those guys were assholes. So uh, I was like, Kristen, we're not coming back here. It was like an empty tattoo shop. And the guy was trying to like, tell me what would make a good tattoo. I'm like, this is a one color flat graphic. I'm covered in tattoos. I, I think I know, <laughs> like, you're not trying to sell me like I'm a canvas on Ink Master. Like, I know what we're doing here. Uh, so we didn't get it. But yeah, that's always a possibility. So, you know, for me, the people that I find that I, I, I get drawn to, whether it's as a friend level or as a mentor level, is if they're, you know, you find really honest, generous people. So like Josh Hankin is a super honest, generous guy. Um, John Duquesne has been a very generous guy for me. Tim and Danny at OS, like, you know, Jessica Bento, like um, Dan John, like the, the, the greatest people that I've looked up to have always been very open to talk and very generous and pretty much themselves. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that I, when I think of like the, um, the Facebook social media fitness people is that we hold them into some type of like um, messiah status and I don't really understand why and I never have. And um, like the people that I'm drawn to naturally, it tend to be the more authentic people. It's not because of um, some crazy ass exercise they're doing. It's because of the people that I meet behind the, the camera. And, the, and 
I must have a good, good judge of character most of the time because I've been drawn to the people that are just exactly the same, you know, when you meet them in person. And that's how it should be. I haven't got time for the bullshit. I just don't, I'm not interested in it. And, and same with me. Like if you were to meet me, I'm exactly the same as I look and sound and, and the articles I write, you should always hear them in my voice. You know, you should watch, <laughs> you should watch Game of Thrones and know that really I was the voice behind, you know, nothing Jon Snow. <laughs> you know, there's things about me that like, I, I, and, and that's what I try and, it, it's not really a sales technique, but it really is. People buy you as a person. And so all I ever want to do is be authentic. And I get like really sad if I think I've said the wrong thing or if I've given information that wasn't completely accurate and I've had to go back and, you know, I, I'm, I'll apologize. I'll admit I've made mistakes and stuff. And when I, I've actually unfollowed a bunch of fitness people, like I was telling you, because I just felt like they were not being true to themselves and I haven't got time for the clickbait bullshit that's out there. No, it's true. I got to admit the interesting thing with the pot, like starting a podcast at this time you know, in, in the country, in the world is like, I sometimes worry that someone's going to take like a, 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 an offhand in the moment, unintentional sentence or pairing of words and get like offended. And when I listen back to the podcast, I'm like, there's no way I can do this with perfect plan sentence structure. Um, Amanda and any of the guests that uh, listen to this, come on the podcast, I should say, I don't want this to be a Q&A. I don't want a set list of questions. I want to talk with my friends. And sometimes, you know, the sentence doesn't come out right. And it's weird now that like, folks, I, I might say something that offends you. Um, it's not my intent. It's probably an accident. Um, but I'm not going to go back and edit every little thing that I, I put on here in fear of that, right? So I think people over edit themselves. And I think people just completely build up a lie um, to some degree. And again, this conversation's come up a number of times on the podcast, this idea of trainers trying to build themselves among other trainers versus trying to just train people. I, 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 you know, social media is a marketing device. It helps bring us business. But I don't know as an independent trainer how much, you know, if you're just good with your clients, if you can just deliver a real result to the people you're training, like that's better than social media. And if you think it's not, you're probably not training or getting enough results, if, in my that, opinion. No, it's my opinion too. I mean, and, and I think that we both do okay on social media, and um, it, but it doesn't feed my soul. Yeah, it doesn't I, feed, feed my soul at all. And I was sent to you, I have relocated to Houston with a view of not taking on any clients. Yeah, I, I, I have currently got two that I'm coaching and it just it makes me so happy to actually have that tactile contact with a human as well. Not that I go in and grow up my clients, but like I just, you know, just to be able to just see change and to help postural and work, help with strength, help with them feeling dynamic and athletic again. You can't get that um, on a piece of paper selling a program. If that's your jam, fine. It's not mine. Yeah, Amanda and I were talking. So we both do a, a big majority of our business. Almost solely Amanda's right now is online training. And when I left Mark Fisher Fitness last year in March, one of my goals was this idea of having like 30 to 40 one, like one-on-one style personal programmed um, online clients. And I'm not going to lie. And we were talking about this. I think my perception of these successful online coaches is that people had like 30 people paying X amount, $100 a month. And I realize that most of us are probably somewhere in the eight to 15 range. And I think that's actually pretty successful for like individualized care programming, not, not packages or monthly subscriptions. Like this is like, you're, you're getting a personalized program. And I don't think enough people that are jumping on the online training bad wagon realize that that's like not the biggest uh, that ceiling is kind of low, like hitting 10 is great. I'm, and I love the people that train with me and uh, it's been super cool. I'm fortunate. I have a bunch of people that have gone through courses with me coming back on and, and staying longer because you find the people you like and relate to. And you'll find, generally speaking, if you find that authentic nature, that maybe 80 to 90% of your fitness philosophies align. And there's a common ground there that's deeper than just the friendship. It's like, oh, we actually kind of train alike, right? Like, so if someone's gone through OS with me and an RKC course in DVRT, like there's a similarity there in the training philosophies that, that work. So there's probably going to be a bigger common ground just in how we hang out, right? Exactly. There's a, a, a mindset 
And I think that gets lost versus like trying to make a witty quote um, or trying to show a PR every day on social media. It's like, yeah. But it does this, this, the sensible stuff and the, and the cool stuff that we think is cool doesn't get the likes. And I don't give a flying, you know, what about likes personally? I mean, I'm all about just giving content that's of value and that is relatable to my audience. And I think that that's the one thing you can do, though, from a social media perspective is, is try and narrow your niche down. I'm yeah. not going to say the niche word because niche is not a word. It's a bastardized way of saying niche. Just saying. Niche. niche. We're the knights that say niche. <laughs> so, but that's the one thing I think you can do on social media is really find your audience that is, relates to you and you can use your voice to help them. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll say if anybody thinks that I started using Godzilla as a logo, thinking it was going to make me money, it's ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't? <laughs> not, not at all. What it does is I can write them off my taxes because, like, I literally use them in all my marketing. Like, but but it, it it's this weird, you know, uh, that was just something I like Godzilla. I started taking pictures. I thought they were funny, and it became like a thing. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, I saw it was prior to MFF. So it wasn't like they have a unicorn. I need Godzilla. That's it. I'm going to be the Godzilla guy. Um, it's the idea of finding yourself, expressing yourself and not that you're going to get a million people that you might get like 20 that absolutely fucking love you. And that's yeah. what you need, right? Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. that's, you don't need, um, followers you need believers right you need the people that are going to like really believe in what you're doing because they know you have the best intentions they have to believe in that right and then you have to deliver yeah. upon that promise yeah and i think one of the ways i think you can do that and one of the things i make the time to do and i actually try and schedule my time so i'm not online all the time i think i look like i'm online all the time but i'm just good at like sort of spreading myself wide and um, uh, easy now yeah. <laughs> I've got my legs crossed as I said that, by the way. I know this is um, fem February, but I'm going to keep it fairly decent. But one of the things I try and do is I answer everything because I am not so big and above myself that I can't find the time to answer people. So, so for example, and I know we're going to talk about the type of clientele I have, but I sort of service the over 40 um, women crowd and men, but it tends to be women in the majority. And I created a, a closed Facebook group for those specifically for um, their needs. And they came flocking over. I mean, I think I have over six, 700 in two months since creating it purely because wow. I took the time to ask their story. I make them do that to join the group. They have to tell their story and I answer their story. Um, and then um, other people join in and they've, I've created a community that's very unique. It's, there's no hold bars. They can talk about whatever they want. Somebody even complained that it was too rude in the group. So I told her to F off because <laughs> I wasn't going to change the group for her. Like I, I, it's my group. I can do what I want with it. It's private. It's closed. Nobody gets to see anything and apart from the people that are in there. And I think just by creating this environment where they feel important and special, and I believe that they're important and special, by creating an environment where their voice is heard, but where they, they're not looking for answers. They're just looking to whinge and complain and bitch with women after all. We need to do that at least <laughs> three times a day. And, um, and I just think that just... Um, so, so I think that, that that really helps to build up your to, to to build up your followers and your authentic people that really believe in what you've got to say. What I love about what you said about the success of the group and cheers, like that's awesome. I, I you know, my my private Facebook group for Fury Crew is literally just the people that have trained with me. I don't boot anybody out when they stop. I keep them in, um, but it literally is just my smaller group. It's not an open net. But what I love about what you said is, I think it gets lost that like people want to be heard and they need to be listened to, right? Versus like I think a lot of times we're always talking at. Um, and I think initially some clients certainly want to come in and just be told what to do. Like that's sometimes like the hardest part of this industry is like, I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to help you find these answers for yourself. Like, you know, it's like an open-ended question. Like these are yeah. why we do these things. Let's try to explore yeah. this. What's best for you versus, you know, the, the preconceived notion of what fitness is. Right. And I think that's a, a unique skill that you have. Like you are good at listening, right. Versus just waiting to respond there is a huge difference between listening to somebody and planning your response while they're still talking 
and yeah it's just like well who who who's the important person there it's like the person waiting to respond is is you're thinking only about yourself yeah and you know to be able to pull that off in a social media aspect's like a treat so i, I mean i mean i thanks. those are claps those are claps they're claps i'm clapping myself as well Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> so yeah so just to clarify though i do have a, a closed group for my online coaching which is very separate because they're paying for my service yeah. the group that's got 600 in is a free group i don't use it for selling i do tell them that if i've got upcoming online training and i do give them discount if they sign up but that's it what I try and do is give them content first so for example I have a podcast and when I do the um, the recording I put the recording in there into that group first so they get a chance to hear it because it's more relevant to them and then I'll publish it on my blog so I just try and give them little nuggets if I can um, just to help them find it I like to them to consider they've got a little home within Facebook where they belong because I totally attract all of the, the misfits of the fitness world. I, I attract the women that won't walk into a gym because they're intimidated. I, um, I attract the women who feel like they've lost their athletic ability or they're not quite the person they used to be. I attract the men that don't. I attract the men. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> I track the men that watch <laughs> Game of Thrones, and then I use the woman of uh, that voice. I you her know name. nothing, Egret. That's Egret. You she's, know nothing, Jon Snow. She's my favorite on the show, but you might have ruined that now because I'm going <laughs> to oh. see your face. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well done. Well done. Season eight. I don't care anymore. She's Man, dead. Yes, I yeah. I know, but still. Right. Um. So let's. Hold on, I just want to check my notes on one thing because I do talk. Let, let's talk about your group. And um, you mentioned sort of the, the category of people that you're working, you, you know, you're working with and training. And I think what I, what I love about it is it's something that seemed to come very organically versus a strategy. And not that a strategy is bad, but like I, I hate it when someone's just like, I'm going to be the leg guy for no other reason than I'm going to be the leg guy, right? Like, or, or you know, the ass guy. Um, and not a bad job to get though if you can no it. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's not guy. <laughs> but it, it's you know i i always just see myself as i'll get you fit and strong guy right as opposed well, to, i think of you as the get get strong guy yeah um well thank you hashtag get strong now it's die mighty um how did you come upon that right how did that initially evolve and if you had Two to three big rocks for w women in your population that you're dealing with that are common problems that you see and, and, and make, let's say two big rocks and two baseline, easily achievable action steps, right, okay. to help with that. So um, do you, would, like, would you like this focus towards the trainer looking for their niche or for the client looking for their, their actually, family? Let's actually I have two answers, yeah. Let, let's, re, let's, let's view this actually as um, one of your listeners who's, who's training with you, not a, client, not a trainer yeah. though, but like, a, like an actual person. So um, not the trainers, you're actual people too. I don't want to sound like you're not. We're all humans. You're not, you're but not. but like, like somebody who might be listening to this that's not a coach, um, hears this because the coach can, will be able to translate this, um, but can leave with an action step. Yeah. So a couple of things. Like, so I naturally and organically fell into this group um, that follow me because I am one of them. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. So to just backtrack slightly, I've been doing this for like 20, 25 years and it was always a second, I'm that old, <laughs> but it was always a secondary career. And then it became a full-time career about three, four years ago, actually four years ago. Um, and it, it was because the mums at the school would come to me and say, I see you in the gym, will you coach me? And so I coached them and didn't pay, charge them because I was like, yeah, sure, you can just work out with me. And then I got to the point where I was like, I actually want to do this as a, a job. So I said to them, by the way, you have to start paying me. And they were like, yeah, that's actually fine because it's difficult to do something for nothing. Like yeah. you don't like, people don't like to take, they want to pay. And it just evolved from there. And it just so happened that about 80% of my clients were women over 40. Or between, when I say over 40, I'm very fluid with that. It's like 35 till you, they're dead, basically. Okay. Um, and... Um, 
In addition to that, I obviously I still worked with teens and I had some athletes and men, but the lion's share of my clients were these in-person women. And then to filter that down a little bit more, these some of these women were coming to me saying they had issues because they were going through the menopause, hormonal issues. And I was like this really rock star trainer that, that would say, yeah, get on with it. Stop whinging. You'll be fine. You know, like shut up and and you'll be and it'll all be good and it was a little bit uh, very dismissive of me and then what happened is I then started going through menopause myself and I got hit with a sledgehammer like literally and my whole world changed and I'm not going to go into that because I've done podcasts and interviews which we can link people to if they want but <laughs> a little bit of uh, sorry I did a little in on myself then Please. but you know I um so anyway so I then started to understand what these women were going through. So I also had the education and the background to coach the women. And then I was living that hell as well, because it literally is a hellish place to be. For some people, some women go through it a lot easier than others. And it, it, it depends. It's like you were saying, everyone's um, unique in their um, own different ways. So we're all going to experience the same thing in a different way. Yeah. So... Um, it's a long story, but I'm trying to make it short. I then was speaking to um, Josh Hankin and I was helping him out at a workshop. And I said to him, you know, I'm actually going to be relocating to um, America from Canada. And, you know, it's going to be a big change for me. And he said, I think you should consider working online with women over 40 because they're underserved. And there's definitely something missing in that population. So I did. And that's that's what I did. I, I, um, let, I had to leave my in-person clients, which was really sad. And then I just started um, developing um, this new role for myself, which really was just an extension of where I'd been. So that's all I did. I just ran with it and it did happen organically. And so I just started, I wrote a blog on my um, own um, website that was the shite they didn't tell you about. And it was about menopause. <laughs> and I literally listed a thousand symptoms that I'd just been hit with and said, does anybody re relate? And I just got, it was the only blog I've ever done that I just got like bombarded with. Yes, please. Oh my goodness. It was so refreshing the way you wrote about it and it was so relatable. And then I just started drip, drip, dripping at, at different resources. Like I talked to people, I wrote for people, and I started focusing on my workouts based on how women were feeling um, and how their bodies were responding. And, and it just, it was clear to me that women wanted help, right? So, and they weren't getting it. So what I felt like I was doing was providing a piece of the puzzle that was missing, and that's what I feel like I continue to do because, and I just want to just give this little caveat, is that I see these articles all over the place, usually written by men that say, you know, you're an over 40 woman. You just need to train like, there's no difference between men and women training over 40. You should all train the same. And that's the blanket statement they make. And to some extent, that's completely true. The exercises don't need to be different-ish. And the approach doesn't need to be different but it does as well, because as well as like an aging body, which is the same for men and women, we age, we lose muscle mass, we, you know, we have atrophy and in lots of different areas of our body, but mainly in the muscle groups. Um, there is also this element of hormonal disruption and chaos that's happened and has a, a huge impact on women. That means they literally sometimes can't even get out of bed, never mind train. So when some some cockwomble comes up to them and says, you know what, just go and lift heavy shit for like an hour. And, and they're like, yeah, I can't even clean my teeth today. That's not going to happen. You know, they're not going to be, they're not going to find this person relatable. And so what I realized is that women needed a like direction, which is what you were saying. What are the big rocks you would, you would talk about? And the direction to me is just the ability to cope and deal with those times when they just can't be the person they expect to be. And so what I coach with is nutritional um, habits. And the nutrition is no different for a menopausal woman than it is for a 45-year-old man that I'm speaking to, right? It's the same, but it's just reinforcing the importance of it. And the difference is when you're a, a menopausal woman and your nutrition is off, it can trigger so many other things. And that's the difference. And this is the missing piece of the puzzle that 
I don't hear about. And it can trigger things like um, depression. Depression is massive in menopause because our estrogen is so low, it can kick our serotonin and cortisol levels all out of whack. It's completely related. And so nutrition plays a huge part in that. So does sleep. So does our stress management. So does the type of exercise we do. So does our recovery. They're all basically the same. Our um, science hasn't changed and our response to things hasn't So big rocks that I would um, suggest to um, a woman in her 40s who doesn't feel quite like she was when she was in her 20s is to I can give you a thousand things so two of the things are one stop giving yourself a really hard time and thinking that you have to be like you were in your 20s because mm-hmm. it's not necessary there's a little bit of ownership required here it's very difficult when you're not feeling 100% and you're you know you, you don't feel optimal but part of the thing my advice is to stop looking in the rearview mirror at what you were once and just really appreciate where you are right now um, with age comes wisdom and clarity and patience and fortitude and resilience and they're huge 20 year olds don't have them I don't want to be 20 again knowing what I know now and feeling how I feel now and responding to situations how I do now I'm I love it like I love this age and so so what that's my first bit of advice is just really appreciate um where you are now and 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 how awesome you are um and then The second thing I would say is if there's something you want to change about yourself um, and it can be the way you feel, the way you look, I'm not going to tell you what that goal should be. Just take your time because if your body is put under a huge amount of stresses from, say, doing an extreme diet or an extreme exercise regime, and I'm saying the word regime because most of the -the off-the-shelf things – that I see are not sustainable. So anything that's rigid, anything that's really rigid, um, that really is going to cause restrictions and deprivation, any of those things that you might feel good in the short term, but it's not the way that you're going to cope with this through aging. So I would like, for example, if you're just feeling that you want to lose a little bit of weight, then just look for a win. And it might be that you um, need to just start tuning into your body signals. That's one of the first things I'll coach people. And it's like, slow down the eat and enjoy the food and see how your body responds to hunger. And like, stop looking for that magic bullet because it's all the shit's still the same. Nothing's changed, but your approach should be a little bit different. Take care of yourself, right? So Yeah, that magic bullet's the hard part. Everybody expects it to be like, how <laughs> short can we make these workouts? Admittedly, workouts don't need to be as long as most people actually think they do. But these selling numbers of six minutes a day, eight minutes a day, 15 minutes of a day, get out of hand. And, you know, what's this next pill, you know, that we can take to make it happen? Or we see these extreme circumstances like that shit show that is bigger, Biggest Loser where... <laughs> Those people are just getting trained in a horrible, horrible fashion, being treated horribly. You know, I mean, if anybody's read the, the, the stories that come out from people that have been on that show and not sustainable, right? Because here's the thing. Uh, you need to have a quality of life behind it. And a lot of the things involved in being crazy lean or crazy strong will have an impact on your quality of life in every other way other than being crazy lean or crazy strong. So you have to find those middle grounds of, of where you want to be. And like what Amanda said is it really is. We all, the longer I'm in this business, uh, the longer we all realize the type of workout you do, as long as it's safe, isn't the most important thing. Certainly there's things you want to have considerations of, but it's the consistency of it. Right. And is it hurting you? If you can get safe, effective workouts, even at like a 60 to 70% effort level, but do that several days a week, like you're going to win this race in a sustainable injury-free way. Um, If you try to crush your soul for four weeks to hit a number within four weeks, you might have some trouble with that long-term. You might have like a great time doing it and that's cool. Like those types of challenges are fun and rewarding in their own way. But if you think you can train that way throughout the year for several years, like Good luck with that. And I do know a lot of good physical therapists, because <laughs> that's where those overuse issues start to come up. And I don't say this in a judgmental way. I say this as somebody who's like done a lot of those things. Um, my goal now is, is like, you know, how well can I, how healthy can I stay? Um, 
I don't strive to press the heaviest of weights or lift in, in any way anymore like I used to. I just want to be able to move well and not feel in pain. And with that, I still have a pretty decent baseline of strength for like, you know, a, a, a guy that was never in athletics. Like, you know, I, I've never been on a team sport other than being a skateboarder and in a BMX. Um, and I will say this for the dudes, um, especially middle-aged guys, but, but for younger coaches, let, let, I'm just going to throw this out uh, to the younger coaches. As somebody who went through a hormone, a hormonal thing now, I have an auto, autoimmune issue myself. I have Graves' disease, which is a thyroid condition. Um, I have never felt something that caused me to tremor where I didn't know why I was shaking. And it was like one of the scariest things I've ever been through. I will say, I'm not going to say I have been in hospital and emergency rooms. I've had surgeries for skateboarding and BMX injuries. Uh, it was the scariest thing I've ever health related for myself been through because like suddenly like holding a cup of coffee, it's shaking. And well, it's something that it's something that's out of your control. And that's, yeah. And I, I didn't know what it was at first. And I think a lot of like, I don't think, you know, women, when the hormones hit, it can hit younger than some people think menopause is going to hit. And so that's not necessarily the first thing we're all thinking. And as a coach, especially a lot of coaches tend to be on the younger side. You got to be aware that like, you have no idea what that person's coming in with and we're not doctors. So to say to work through it, it's just, it could be the most best well-intentioned thing to say, but it's bullshit. Cause I'll say this, I was shaking. I had to completely adjust my training, um, whether it was open chain or single arm, cause single arm shit went out the window because it would shake. Um, I lost, probably 70 to 80 percent of my strength and on the comeback when they when it was finally diagnosed as graves disease and i started getting you know my hormone level started to adjust i would get these windows that i would call gravesy moments where sometime between 1 30 and 4 i would mentally be so tired that there was literally nothing like physically it felt like I could do something, but like master blaster master was gone. It was just like the body was there, but the brain was like, literally, you are going to need to sleep now. It was only for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then I felt great, but it was like this hormonal shutdown completely out of my control. Coffee wouldn't help it. Um, Lord knows I tried and we have to allow that. Like that is something that even more so than men, you know, usually our first thing is we start to feel our testosterone drop, but it's usually a much more gradual thing than going through something like menopause. So I love that you brought that out. And I know for me, this idea of like the hormonal challenges that come up, like it's a new world for me because I'm, I'm living in that sphere. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's really hard to even appreciate what a, um, a, another person is going through when you're not experiencing it yourself. And so I'm just talking about young trainers. I've done a couple of in-houses. One of them actually was for one of our DVRT master trainers, Drew McDonough. And, and he had the foresight to want to educate his young male trainers because the bulk of his clients, he has a massive um, client base, doesn't he? Like hundreds. It's, he's got a great organization um, in, in um, Massachusetts. And most of those are women. And the most of them are women over 40. And uh, he wanted me to speak to them because he knew that the, the, the male trainers understood the physiology of the women, but they didn't understand the, any issues or compensations they needed to talk about. And I was on there saying, don't get that woman doing plyometric jumps if she's going to piss her pants because it could happen, right? When you go through menopause, you go through atrophy. That's what I was saying. Down below, her pelvic floor might be weaker at certain times during the menopausal period. And she doesn't know when it's going to happen. So you certainly don't. So yeah. you just need to have an awareness. And, and, and a whole bunch of Drew's women came over to me as well because they were like, oh my God, this is so refreshing because now the coaches are going up to them when they're going in and saying things like, you know, we have skipping today. And if you don't feel comfortable skipping, then we're going to do this alternative exercise. And they don't even mention that she might piss her pants. I, I on the other hand, would say to my clients, ladies, go to the toilets. We're about to jump, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. But but I'm just saying you can you can have an awareness and an empathy going into coaching women um, that gives the woman that sense of feeling safe and knowing she's in the right place. And kudos to somebody like Drew who did that because, and the male coaches have often texted me and said, do you think I should talk to the lady about this or that? And we're not trying to replace doctors or trying to 
pretend we understand everything, but it's just creating an environment for them where they feel listened to. And that's huge at this age. So, um, don't pretend that you know all of your clients and do your best to find there's lots and lots of information out there um and and don't just assume that because the person's turned up she's going to be able to do what she always does some days may be good and some days may be bad my thing that's really important that i always talk about though is there's no reason a woman over 40 can't work really really hard and be super super strong i'm not saying that because um they can and they should be and it's awesome and it's epic and there's so many benefits as we know feeling empowered and feeling just um, more athletic as you age is such a godsend but there's going to be days when she can't as well right and so that's all I'm trying to say here right um, and then the last part of it and you touched on it which was really interesting is you don't know what a woman's going through um, or a man of course but we're talking about my client base um, um, a woman's going through and, and menopause can hit from any time from about 35 and it can stop anytime when they're 65 or older. It's crazy. There's just this, this big gray window that we don't know much about. Um, and so, um, don't like I, th- I look at myself in the mirror and I think this isn't what I thought menopause would look like. You know, I have pictures of like images of like Mrs. Doubtfire, that old granny, <laughs> you know, like, like an older lady who is incre- who hasn't got the capability to do anything. And knowing that I'm almost through menopause, like I'm almost like completely finished now. It doesn't make sense to me. It, like, so it, it can't make sense to others. That's what I mean, you know, so. Well, what's great about it, though, is by being into fitness, like you're able to, and being active, you're able to get through something like that without feeling, I mean, certainly there's a change, but you're still able to maintain a, a level of vitality and health going forward. That's like, as opposed to just sort of accepting a decline. And I think that happens with men as well in a different way that we just start to accept like, the decline like it hurts when i do this so i don't do that you know like that type of shit um gavin van vlack mutual friend uh of ours fellow master instructor is was the previous episode and we were just talking like you know i'm as i'm five years away from 50 uh i don't think i look feel um, live like what I would have perceived in my 20s to be a 50-year-old guy. I mean, I'm 45. I'm not jumping the gun there. But, um, you know, that's kind of insane in the perspective of it. Now, mind you, when a trainer starts talking to me about certain things and they're in their low 20s, um, I have skateboarded longer than their lifespan. Um, you know, like I have cashed those checks. So like, I know when someone's like, you know, on that deadlift, put your feet perfectly straight. I'm like, you know what? My feet aren't going to go perfectly straight there. Cause it's going to hurt my hip. And when it, it or it's going to go into my lower back, like I, I'm, I'm going to split from the science book and go into the practical application of like, well, I don't know what mileage is on this person. And I don't know imaging, imaging of their, you know, what their, what their joints look like these days. So I'm going to find this safe, happy medium to get an effective workout versus like, I'm, I'm also like, I want people to be able to fully express their strength. I want people to be, feel victorious when they press something or when they deadlift something. But more importantly, I want them to feel victorious 10 years down the line when they're playing with their grandkids or some shit, right? Because I'm finding myself in that, right? My goal is, you know, my daughter's almost as tall as her mom and taller than her grandma now and she's I need to be strong enough that I can continue to pick her up and throw her around right that's my goal now what maximal what level of maximal strength do I need to be that it needs to continue to improve but I don't need to be a beast so it's finding this range as we get older and for younger coaches I think sometimes we think just everybody's like crush the weight they're not working hard enough and that is certainly true but I think the emphasis on PRs and loads sometimes as a motivator is uh, too much, whereas like maybe some new skill acquisition is a better way, right? Like, can you get three more reps on that pull up? Can you do a pistol squat to a certain range? Can you do a get up? Like, whatever that might be versus just like how heavy is that deadlift we're chasing? Because that's when we do start to get those repetitive, like, especially if dudes on the bench press, like, well, my shoulder hurts, you know, like, well, because you've been grinding out reps to almost fail, because we've been chasing load, like maybe don't chase load, maybe gradual, right? It's that mile of the bull thing, right? Slow progress 
over time versus like this got to get it now got to get it now kind of thing yeah and i think you 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 hit on two points there and the first thing is you know having um different views of fitness as you age so I mean, I've never been um, somebody who's worked out for an aesthetic goal because I was athletic as a kid. I'm a downgrade in martial arts. That's what my background is. Did you know that I could kick your ass? Did you know that? Like, no. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> so, yeah, just with the high ya and if you could have seen it, she actually did it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you on that. Yeah, we're no. we're going to spar. We brumbled once and you laid me out. So, <laughs> no. Do people know what a brumble is? Uh, no, brumbling is something the ninjas at MFF in my 7am classes started where you leopard crawl shoulder to shoulder and try to, you know, push the other one back. It's like a crawling tug shoulder to shoulder, uh, tug of war in a way. Well, we brumbled and you crushed me. Yeah. And then Josh Raphael made me look like a kitten. <laughs> it makes everyone look like a kitten but, but so I come from an athletic background and my goals have never been aesthetic but if I do uh, the knock-on effect is that if I do like the way I look naked then that you know that's a positive but it's not my ultimate goal but when I was um I just wanted to be super super fit and I just wanted to you know just be fast and strong and they were always my goals now as I get older, I still want to be fast and strong, but it's not my driver. My driver now is I actually want to feel good all the time because I've had so many bad days in the last three years. I'm tired of it. And I want to do everything that's optimal that makes me feel young still. Yeah. I have a young, a young energy and I have a young outlook on life, um, but I don't always feel it. And I'm tired of feeling like that. So one of my drivers is I want to feel as optimal as I can even better for my age. I um, I don't want to be in pain. I want to be injury free. I want to be able to tie my own shoelaces when I'm like a hundred because I'm not going to die before I'm a hundred. Like I've got this immortality complex. I don't know what it is, but so there's my goals are different. And um, again, I want my I want to be active with my kids. I play football after school with my kids and basketball. Like I want to keep doing that for another yeah. twenty years with my grandkids even. And so that's one part of the thing I, I wanted to comment on. And then the other thing is, um, you know, the 20 year olds, and I don't, I'm not dissing them because there's some amazing coaches out there, but they, they're the ones that are ripping the shirts off, wanting to look good, sexy, naked and stuff. And that sells. And the stuff that we're talking about isn't the stuff that sells. It isn't sexy. So um, if somebody is a coach and they want to create like a, an audience, then know that if you're going to be sensible like you and I are, then we're not going to get the millions of people um, following you. And if you do want that like large audience and you do want those people following you, you've got to, to me, sell a piece of your soul and I'm not prepared to do it. I could take, I could wear a little crop top and a little pair of booty shorts and say, you know, nearly 50 abs like this or whatever. And I can't do it. I actually, there's a part of me just thinks it's, it's not ethical. And I, can't I would send you such a message of like, what the fuck just happened if you did that? <laughs> but it, it, it is a part of what our industry is. You know, it, it, it's somebody in the group Strength Faction that I'm a part of posted up, uh, a, a male trainer, and was introduced to somebody. And the person that they were introduced to said, but, but you've got a, 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 a belly. You're not, you're not thin. How are you? How are you? You don't look like a coach. And this person is like very strong and not what we would consider overweight by a long shot. Um, you know, jacked on top, um, friend of mine I've known for a long time. And I am somebody that I am never rail thin. Like I just, I didn't get into this game for a six pack. I got in it to be very strong and to move well for my kids. Right. Um, I've also been from graves and from just working on my nutrition where when I lose a lot of weight, bald head, wide sunken eye sockets, People don't get, hey, you look great when you're thin. They go, hey, you look like you've gotten smaller or, or you look sick. And basically it equates to being Skeletor. So, <laughs> you know, it's, there's, this, there's this missed expectation sometimes of what is a coach, or coach supposed to look like and what is a coach supposed to feel like. Now, I've seen people that are just dudes. So, so women, it's like the booty shorts and the abs, right? And the sports bras, right? So if we take that as the one end and then on the dudes, it's like a lot of the times it's like, you know, the six packs and the big arms, big shoulders, big chest. And I know for a fact that a lot of the times when somebody shows up at an RKC with like super big biceps, 
uh, I'm probably going to press more than them. Like, you know, maybe not on a bench, but when it comes to like an overhead press or a get up, I'm probably going to be all right on that. And the price of mobility that sometimes comes with that, uh, nobody challenged me on this. But there's just this idea that like, you know, your appearance equates with um, quality of education is a completely misguided thought. It should, to some degree, you shouldn't be completely out of shape. You should be able to represent your brands. You should be able to, as, as coaches, represent the things we believe in and prove that it works, but also to prove in the people that we're training that it's working for them so other people can see that, right? Because I could work all on myself, work out three hours a day, and do a really crap job training somebody. And I'm sure you've had people that have had trainers for years, and they start to train with you, and it's like, did they show you anything? Like, how did you even, what did you do for the 300 hours you spent together? Together, Because you, you can't lunge, you can't squat, you can't do, what, what have they done? Um, so it, it's, it's this weird thing, and it's hard, I think, um, for trainers that are coming up that might feel insecure about their appearance. I know I have these issues sometimes more as a representative for brands, um, for, for the companies that I teach for. Um, but I also know that I can deliver a quality training experience, right? And uh, that the few things that I know, I don't know a lot, I know very well. Uh, but I think it's hard for somebody that's looking for a trainer. You might go for the biggest, leanest, you know, sexiest person. And that doesn't necessarily equate to quality. Yeah, I know. And I, and so that's what I um, really want to try and get across to people as well. Like part of my thing is that, you know, if I've shown that I've got a, a slight vulnerable side and, um, and, to me, that's um, more relatable to somebody than me showing. I mean, I do like to show off a bit because, I mean, you're not a trainer unless you're a little bit of a show off, if you mm -hmm. ask me. Like, so if I can show them something cool and like a sexy move, then I'll do that. But I'm doing that just because people do like to have that sort of imagery. I'm not saying go out and do this because I also talk about the sort of issues. You talk about graves and your thyroid issues. And I talk about vulnerabilities I've had where I just can't do stuff. You know, I just have lost something. But I also then talk about the strategies that have worked for me. And I think that that's where people should be looking. If they want a good trainer, look for someone who's relatable, that is like you, that is experienced the same thing as you, that you feel as though um, can offer you um, solutions. That's a Josh thing, right? Yeah. Give people solutions. And it matters it matters so much than looking cute in a pair of shorts which is nice too but it shouldn't be your driver yeah i you know and and it's it's funny like somebody might look great too and be an excellent trainer i'm not dismissing anybody that might that's be that. me right but, well of course uh but you know what what when people will reach out to me as a new perspective you know trainee through my website or something like one of the things they'll say i'll, I'll be like is go read my reviews Right. People don't necessarily like check referrals on trainers, which is kind of like they, they'll sometimes go just right, right off the gate off a of personality um, or appearance. And holy shit, it's like your entire physical well-being in a way is with us. Right. We are not like we can help protect you from so much in a way, but we can also like instantly hurt you. And that's crazy. And, you know, trainers out there that are listening and for people that are looking maybe for training services, like you don't want the cheapest trainer. Like that does not like I was at a tattoo shop in San Francisco. I might have said this story on the podcast once and someone was trying to haggle a price on a tattoo. And the guy, the, 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 the guy behind the counter had the best description. He was like, what did you pay on your for your sneakers? And she was like, you know, like 150 bucks. This was back in the 90s, 150 bucks. And. He goes, how long is that going to last you? And she goes, like, six months. And then he goes, how long is the tattoo going to last you? Right? So training is like that. Like, you can get a discount, and you can get hurt or no results. Or maybe the person doesn't know their self-worth, and when they find it, they're going to leave you because it's going to be, like, a, a spike up. But I think that's another one where people want to haggle, haggle us for prices, and then people are afraid they're not going to get enough clients. So they go like, well, I'll get three at $20 versus one at a hundred. Um, and it's a really bizarre thing. We find ourselves in trying to find our self-worth and appearance gets tied into our self-worth. Social media gets tied into our self-worth and then our dollar value where it's like education and dollar value in a way, or it should be like, I have worked hard to learn this much stuff that I can apply for you. 
And that should be worth something. Well, one of the things I do with my clients and, I, and we talked about like periods of time, how we coach um, and I'm new to the online business, but I coach for six months. My program is a six month program that I've written. And, 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 but this applies back to the people I coached in Toronto. I don't think that when I left, I left them with nothing. I, and my job every single time I open my mouth or I show them an exercise is to educate. So I hope that when I give them something that then they fly with that. So if they do go to another trainer, that they remember to have good posture, that they remember to use their feet, that their core matters, that, you know, that their, their athletic ability is still there because I've given them the belief that it still exists. Anything that I, I, say I want it to have meaning and I want it to matter and I think that that's a huge thing that coaches um don't do you know the it, I'm trying I'm generalizing here but an off-the-shelf program like somebody said to me the other day yeah I do Joe Wicks it's awesome and I'm like fine do Joe Wicks but you'll forget it next week like invest in your health and invest in somebody that really can help you and create lifelong change not just a four-week body transformation Unless that's what, unless that's what you want. I don't want you then. I don't want to work with people like that. Yeah. It, 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 you know, and and here's the thing too, for, for, for the trainers out there when they go like, well, how do you convince somebody that you like you deliver results and it's in how you deliver the experience, right? Like educate, don't try to like hold information, but don't be a jerk about dispensing education. Like, create a positive experience and then create a positive result. And it's in that order. Cause like really you need to, if, if you're not creating a positive experience, like the result might come, but they're going to fucking hate it. Um, create the positive experience, create the positive result. And then guess what? You're going to have client retention and you're going to be real proud of the results you get um, both in the people you work with and in the business you run. Um, and mind you, this business is a roller coaster, you know, man and I were talking about, you know, that stuff too. Um, but you know, the bottom line is, you know, I've, I'm, I've got more good reviews than bad reviews and I'm, I'm proud of the work I do and I try to get better. And, you know, uh, the great thing is when you've been in the field for a while and I'm starting to like, I'm not a newbie anymore. Like this will be seven years full time in May. Um, you know, you, 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 you see a lot of people go by, you know, like people that aren't that interested in being fucking excellent trainers, they'll, they'll, they'll get out because the business isn't as rewarding as people think it is. Um, so like, look for the experience, look for the testimonials. And watch how they are with people, not just how the people look, but like how they're actually interacting um, is a huge one. Because, you know, sometimes you walk by a gym and you just see someone has some uh, people doing some wacky stuff. While the trainer's on his phone. That's the thing yeah. that drives me crazy. Yes. It, it, it's, it's really bizarre. Um, and, and look at that stuff versus just being like, ah, it seems like a good person. Let's, let's go with it. Because it is your health. We don't talk about that enough. We talk about not hurting people. But like when somebody signs up with a trainer, they should be a little nervous about that, right? It's really interesting because um, I started in Toronto with um, clients that were already, ma- like I already had them and I was coaching them for free. Then I asked them to pay me and they were okay with that. This was in a group setting. So it wasn't um, too um, outside of their like scope. Um, but I always say you only need one good client. And, and I think that that was, I, I still have this one good client and she literally couldn't tell enough people about me. And that's what you need. You do a good job with someone. You don't need to sweat the small stuff because those people will come and find you. So just be good at your job. Really care about the people you're working with. Make the effort to get to know them, talk to them, listen to them. That's what I spend my the bulk of my time doing. I think people are really interested and I want to learn more about them. I don't want to be dismissive. I don't want to walk out of my session at the end. I want to like ask them if they're going to do something fun for the weekend. You know, like it's important to get to know people at a human level. So that would be my advice to people. That was amazing. That fired me up. I want to go like punch something in a good way. Yeah. Not me though, because I'm a black belt in karate. So you'd probably get laid out. Probably. It'll be interesting. I mean, I'm rusty as fuck with my Muay Thai, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll set something up. We, we, you know, DVRT is based out of Vegas now, so maybe we can, you know. In a ring. Yeah. Of us. We'll go in the <laughs> octagon and just laugh. Um, uh, well, I, I think actually, because we've been on for a while, I actually think yep. that was a beautiful 
way to sort of uh, wrap up. And, and folks, I think you could probably tell how we started this podcast talking about having sort of like finding each other to have mutual training philosophies. Um, but also like now you've heard the conversation of that, that like it's true. Kim was just dancing by us on the Skype. Um, <laughs> She's so cute. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she is. She so, is. I approve. Not that that matters, but she's adorable. <laughs> so, uh, Amanda, tell the people uh, the name of your podcast and where they can find you. Well, I will just direct everyone to my website because everything's on there. So Ooh. it's the easiest place, the one-stop shop. So my business name is Fit and Chips, and that is F-I-T-N-C-H-I-P-S. Fit and Chips. That is also my Instagram name, my Facebook um, page. So everything, everything is on there. Head over to the website. I have my podcast on there, which is only really going to be of interest of you if you're an over 40 woman or you're a trainer working with those women. I try and keep it very specific and I, um, all my blog articles are on there too. Awesome. Uh, Come and you, see me. Can, can you tell all the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty. Shall I do it in the voice of Jon Snow? Please. Die mighty. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> that sounded so much like Jon Snow. Uh, people are going to be confused. <laughs> Egret. It sounded like Egret, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank, thank you, Steve. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming on and listen. Uh, and, and I loved it. It was great. And listeners, thank you so much. Um, the month of February, or however the weeks line up, the next four episodes. Uh, it, 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 it's ladies month. Um, just because of scheduling, actually, it wasn't intentional. It was just, it was a little harder to line up some of the women. So I'm going to make that happen. Um, but folks like a lot of, I just want to point out the die mighty message is a lot of what went down in this call without it being like, let's talk about that. Like it is about this ability to, uh, stay youthful and vibrant and not accept age. Like age is a thing we need to deal with and cope with, but it's not something we just let run us over. Right. So that's, that's the die mighty thing. Um, so that was awesome. I wasn't, you know, I guess I didn't really think we were going to hit on all of that, but thank you. That was rad. It motivated me. Um, and I learned some stuff, which is the other great out, you know, byproduct of this podcast. Um, folks, if you want to learn anything about me, personal training, online training, classes coming to Gowanus soon, uh, hit up coachfury.com or on the book of faces. Uh, dumb nickname, easily traceable. Uh, thank you to the FTW for the metal music, Glenn Urieta for the consistently crushing the artwork for the podcast, Rich Carpenter for making the Die Mighty logo. And uh, once again, just you know, we talk about social media a lot and we gauge ourselves on followers and likes and things. And most of the time people aren't hitting like, uh, and you're still actually connecting. And I get been getting a lot of feedback from people that I never see in response that I have no idea are listening to this podcast and they say really nice stuff. Um, and it's connecting. Uh, and that's the thing, you know? So I just want to say thank you to everybody that does that. And if you're somebody that doesn't hit like, um, I still love you but maybe hit like, but like for those that I don't know are there, I know you're there. Um, thank you everybody. And until next week, the coach Fury podcast is created, owned and produced by yours. Truly Steve coach Fury Holliner for Fury industries, LLC music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc.com for band album tour and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Rurieta. Visit glennrurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Rurieta. Thanks, everyone.